So, uh, yeah, with the minute we beamed over, knowing that you've got to do these things, you can't take any risks, you've got to be a man of action. Uh, I asked him to show me how the controls work, and boff, he's in space now. So, good luck with that. <laughs> I am... Um... I mean, this assignment's been pretty weird. It's 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 very rare to be trans to be transferred onto a Klingon ship, and I have to say, uh, one, the booze is great. Two, the women are yep. frisky. Um, but three, first thing that happened here, I got over. I was talking to the janitor. I noticed they missed a spot. Had to fucking kill the guy. And now I'm the janitor. See, that's the problem. Is you got to kill anyone who's not done their job properly. But it's very rare that people who are competent and in high ranks actually fuck up. So you just end up going from shit job to shit job. Yeah. I killed the transporter chief, but like, have you seen the hair on half of these fucking Klingons? I don't want to say anything. I don't want to take over from the barber. This gag's about fucking undercooked. I mean, don't, don't, don't say this too loud, but you reckon they've got a vegan option? <laughs> <laughs> A Frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Captain Slug. Its ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references, to split infinitives that no one has split before. Captain Slog, Stardate 33, because I've realised I should write them down. Uh, yep. <laughs> these are the continued ventures of me, Eddie Edwards, and my colleague, Mr. Mark O'Neill, as we work our way through all of Star Trek. But Mark, how have you been? How are you doing? I'm alright, man. I've got a little bit of a cold today. Uh, thought, it would COVID. thought it was COVID. It wasn't. Oh, okay. Dodged. So I, I have continued to dodge that phaser blast. So stay away from any genetically modified children, otherwise you might start aging rapidly. Uh, and it, yeah, exactly. I mean, that to be fair, that's in the that's in the that's in the court agreement anyway. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm doing well, man. I'm I'm excited to be talking about a, like an actual episode of Star Trek. I'm going to get quite a lot out of because new, yeah. like, new and exciting things were discovered. Yeah, um, stuff occurred. Yeah, we learned about things yeah yeah how 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 you doing well yeah as i told you in the pre-record out of nowhere i've been offered um 10 10 days at the edinburgh festival um at a decent time slot as well it's like 10 past eight that's all right that's Uh, like stuart lee time mate yeah so uh so if you if you don't fancy seeing stuart lee (laughs) would rather come see me and you're one of the of the people who listen to this none who live in edinburgh uh do that or if you only want to see Stuart Lee nine times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, more than that. I assume he's doing a full run. Yeah. So, yeah, you could, you could see him, like, 29 times. But come see me once, preferably at the end, when I've worked out what doesn't work. Because <laughs> I've got one really, really good joke, but it requires everybody in the audience to have seen an advert for Fiat from 1978. So it's not going to work a single day unless my dad comes. Uh, so, but I'm going to do it. But I'm going to do it anyway because I'm stubborn. Do it. Fuck it. There's, yeah. little, there's a there's a, a joke that I do on my uh, walk-in tour. Um, I actually think I've said it on this tour before. I've been saying it for literally ten years, and it's maybe I could count on. I could like I need about three people's hands, but I could count that comfortably. But basically, it's the National Portrait Gallery. Uh, and we stop outside of it and I go this is the National Portrait Gallery which is a wonderful way to spend the afternoon if you like looking at paintings of people's faces if not, <laughs> don't bother, there's very little else here Oh, I thought you were going to say it's next door to the National Landscape Gallery which is a similar building but longer uh... Right, I'm having that That's good <laughs> That's really funny That's... <laughs> Fuck you yeah, uh, yeah, have that. Thank you very it's, much. It's, it's, to be it. fair, you've got more use for it. It's never fucking going to come up in my life. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. 
Right. I right. mean, look, I know we normally do a bit of a preamble, but there's actually a lot to talk about in this episode of Star yeah. Trek. So I think we should kind of just jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. So to start with, can we just? I think we've got to address the first thing we've got to address is fucking hell, Wesley, you racist. Because <laughs> <laughs> like- Benzite turns up in this episode, and Wesley immediately mistakes it for his good friend Mordock from the previous time there was a Benzite. Because apparently, and he literally says to his face, you all look the same. And all, I, all I've got written in my notes is just, wow. <laughs> now, I don't like to publicly defend racism. <laughs> but, I, one, I, I didn't actually look this up right. Is it the same actor that plays the two roles? Because they come from this, the same gene cone, so they're genetically very similar. I also didn't check. But I don't think so. Right. I think I detected a slightly different voice. Also, the guy in season one, the Ben, the Ben Benzine, Benzite, Benzite, yeah, the Benzite who gets accepted into the academy over Wesley. They do make a point of saying that he would be the first Benzite in Starfleet. Yeah, I did have to look into that. So, unless Starfleet Academy lasts fucking six weeks. Right. Okay. So I was con- I was confused by this, and I had to kind of look into it because this guy is an ensign, um, but it is mentioned right at the beginning. He's part of the officer exchange program, so his rank of ensign is from the Benzai thing. Which this is thing I didn't know that, but Wesley is there with the captain to meet the new people coming off. So I imagine he would have been informed beforehand, unless this was Picard's secret racism test. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious because it's a bit bizarre that. Um, Wesley still refers to Geordie as Mr. Singh. <laughs> well, we're in engineering. You're wearing a yellow shirt. I just thought he was wearing sunglasses. I thought it was one of the cultural things. You know, they're weird like that. Um, uh, I've got... Uh, so for uh, O'Brien Watch, for which yep. we should have a, a jingle... <laughs> <laughs> and, and if that happens, insert that here. O'Brien watch. Uh, yeah, what I'll do is I'll nick... You know what I'll do? I'll nick the... I think we're going to need two. So I'll nick the alert noise from the ship. We'll get the whistle for O'Brien. And then we've got to specifically have the yellow alert noise yellow alert noise for our yellow alert watch. Yeah. As we continue to work out what the fuck a yellow alert is. And, ho- and, and, and hold on, this is, this is the this is the one thing. O'Brien watch. <laughs> so O'Brien watch uh, only one thing this week uh, I enjoyed him chuckling at the casual racism <laughs> so did I because as well this is it, it, um, as we'll discover later casual racism is an important part of the O'Brien character uh, <laughs> when uh, so so later on they uh, they have the O'Brien was fought in the Cardassian War which hasn't been mentioned up until that point but they made it up because they needed something to explain the Cardassians and the Cardassian yeah and, up, and they, they also they can't they can't just have Derry still be in trouble <laughs> so on, on the Cardassian makeup they have like a forehead ridge that brings up like that which O'Brien has specifically referred to Cardassians as spoonheads <laughs> <laughs> Now, in defence of O'Brien, the Cardassians are literally a fascistic police state of Nazis without the ideology, which yeah. I, I think is worse. Uh... <laughs> and it's perfectly acceptable to refer to a Nazi as a goose stepper. <laughs> so, fuck them. Yeah. I was going to say, what if the, that particular Nazi like had a limp that meant they couldn't goose step, but then I remembered what they did to people like that, so they wouldn't have been in, would they? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Do you ever think, um, so when they're on the bridge and Picard says, I'm going down to the transporter room, uh, Wesley, come with me, and uh, Wesley obviously gets up from the helm. Do you think whatever uh, officer replaces him is like, okay, I'll take over from the child who's driving this boat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I think that Smiley Joe slides in, and he's like, "I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm better than him in every way." Also, yeah. Smiley Joe got a line of dialogue. He did get a line of dialogue. Yeah, we we noticed that. The best thing, if if you're listening to this and you're in 1991 and you're a minor actor in Star Trek, the best thing for your career is to become one of our favourites. <laughs> do you think? 
we could get him on this show. Oh. Because Laura's been like, enough people worked on Star Trek that presumably have not a lot to do these days. We've got to try and track him down on Twitter and like reach out to him and be like, hey, dude. It probably is, if you see Michael Dorn, you've gone too far. <laughs> what we should get? Oh, we should get him on him because he's the stunt man. We should get him on and just ask him Michael Dorn questions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the kind of ones that would catch him off guard, so he's got to react to them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we so so we haven't actually discussed what the plot of this episode is yet. There's a there's a, a an officer exchange scheme. And it's mentioned uh, whilst um, uh, Riker and Picard are playing Wii Sports. That, um, <laughs> they're, they're thinking of doing an exchange with a Klingon vessel. We'll come back to the sports thing in a moment. <laughs> yeah, and Riker's like, I want to give that a go because no one else has ever done it and he's a lad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's more or less it. He's like, no one's done it before. I want to be the first. I'm up for that. Send me over to a Klingon vessel. <laughs> Right, the only time I've ever seen a Starfleet officer flying a Klingon vessel before this is it's one that Kirk nicked. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, so to go back to, to this game that they're playing, they're in a black room on a, a circle with two different colours and they're, they're phasering lights as they pass by them on the walls. Uh, is that in the holodeck? I think it's the holodeck, Right, yeah. so that's a bit like buying a PS5 to play Pong. Well, it's a mini game. What you don't, if you get them all within a certain time limit, you unlock Luigi. <laughs> uh. <laughs> also, uh, did Picard learn that phaser stance from Sun Tzu? <laughs> He's that's not because he misses a target. Duraka doesn't miss any. He misses one and goes down. But that's because he's doing it by sound. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. He's out- <laughs> non-lethal, non-lethal, yeah. lethal. <laughs> I like phaser training phaser training looks like it's actually quite fun yeah it, I mean it, it must take quite a lot to get used to the fucking baffling shape of the phaser yeah like, why is yeah. it shaped like a DVD remote how does because it like you still I, I get it I, if it's a thing of we want it to look less lethal well yeah but it is still lethal and you still have to use it in lethal situations just make it a pistol I refuse to accept that the conversations in the Star Trek office were like, well, obviously, we want the phases to look less lethal. We don't want to be in favour of violence. Okay. What does it do on the top setting? Oh, slowly vaporises your skin and leaves a skeleton in a chair. And we're going to show that more than once. <laughs> and then sometimes the skeleton will explode. Just because, you know, because <laughs> that's what skeletons do. They're yeah. explosive. So, Riker agrees to be transferred. It's not really so much an officer transfer, because an officer transfer, I guess, would imply that they get someone back, but they don't. Riker just goes across to the the, the pack. Is that the name of the ship? Yeah, it's I've, it's it's Klingon, so it's probably spelt P-O apostrophe H. Yeah. Based on my, my knowledge of, like, I have a, a, a rough knowledge of, like, Klingon pronunciations and shit, but just from, there there were a lot of Klingons in Deep Space Nine, and they're, they're, they're great. Uh, but, um, so... Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a weird thing. Look, because when he gets there as well, he's not bumped anyone down like a rank, so they just needed a first officer. Which, from what we learn in this episode about Klingon command structure, means that he was murdered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by someone not on the ship. Yeah, yeah, because so I love this. Uh, Riker's talking to Wolf. And Wolf, uh, and he's like, so I've been looking into this, and it's like, one of my duties as first officer is to, to assassinate the captain. And Wolf's like, yeah, if the captain's ever like doing anything dishonourable, or he's gone crazy, or you don't think he's up to command, or he's injured, you have to fight him in honourable combat so that he can die with honour, and you can take his place. And he goes, oh, that's a, that's, I've had a, he goes, and of course, the second in command will do the same to you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I was given, if I was assigned a new ship, and someone said one of your duties will be to assassinate the captain, and I went, "Oh," and then their reply was, "Yeah, but only if you have to." I don't know how comforted I would feel by that. <laughs> I would. I'm going to put forth the argument that that's true on all ships ever. Yeah. Like, if you're if you're currently serving in the U.S. Navy, 
and you're on board a nuclear submarine and your captain just decides on his own that he's going to, you know, launch a nuke at Russia. I'd say it's your job to kill him. (laughs) Yeah. The... uh, I think both the German, for obvious reasons, and the the Russian... I want to say Navy. This is a very much a half-remembered fact. Uh, But they have standing orders that if a superior officer orders them to do something that they feel is, like... Uh, sufficiently morally not kosher. They they don't. It's their duty to not do it. The weirdest thing is that in the German orders, it specifically says not kosher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it, it nearly happened once. It, 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 one time, the Russian uh, missile defense system flagged up. That they that the US had shot a nuke. Oh, and yeah. obviously the, the 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 standing order is to retaliate. So immediately they went to well, time time to kiss Idaho goodbye. But there was there was one dude. There was like one guy that pressed the button that was like, this doesn't seem right. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, and, 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 and what I love about that is it, that's all he's ever said in an interview, and nobody's ever pinned him down on when you say right. Do you mean like it didn't look like a real nuke, or did you just like? Or was your thinking, well, if I'm going to die, I don't see any point in taking the entire population of yeah. fucking Idaho with me. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing. Sorry to get off track, but um, when you become Prime Minister, uh, one of your duties is to put the standing orders in to try them. And you, it's literally a note that gets locked in a little cabinet. And if shit goes, if they hear that a missile is coming... The captain goes and opens the note, and it will be either retaliate or don't retaliate. There is a... I mean, obviously, Johnson... It doesn't even just say retaliate. He put a note on front of the box that said, (laughs) open this when there's just too many poor. But um, there is a a world... Because we don't know, they never tell us. Uh, There is a world where Johnson is like, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine... If you... Let's go through. Let's go through the last. So, uh, Thatcher pretty much just said from hell's heart i stab at thee yeah <laughs> she wanted a picture of her face airbrushed on the front of the of the icbm uh, i bet major had await instructions uh yeah. tony, t- t- tony blair was like don't fire nukes at first and then he got that bloodlust on later on so probably changed that over gordon brown just so it just says uh sorry could you repeat that dictator <laughs> but not gordon right. brown says Gordon Brown just said, look, keep the one that Tony wrote, do the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> and Cameron's just says, bring me a pig, for reasons that were, weren't clear at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so Riker gets transferred to the other ship, and, it, and immediately uh, we meet the Klingon crew, and it's the, I, I assume the same set from uh, Star Trek Three. It's got that, that really cool kind of overhead red lighting grill. Absolutely love the aesthetics of Klingon design. Oh, great. It's like a, like a, everything from like the, the planets, like the, the bat left, yeah. their gear, their ships. It all looks like it's produced by the same, like it's coherent and it like works across a culture. The only thing that doesn't make sense is that they're honourable warriors who have fucking cloaking devices. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so he arrives and the, and the captain kind of gives him the, the, the second degree. He's like... Where do your loyalties lie? Are they with Starfleet? Are they with me? He's testing him, and Riker passes that test. He's like, "Whatever you want me to do, I'll fucking I'll do it." That's that's what I'm here for. And then the the, the lad, the other lad, the other Klingon guy, whose name I can't ah. remember, but he plays uh, Luke the Vampire in the pilot episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And also came back later on to play the judge, who is the demon that Buffy kills with a rocket launcher. Uh, yeah. In, 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 uh, he's also the shapeshifter in X-Files mm-hmm. uh, as a recurring character. I'm not saying X-Files went off the, like, went jump the shark, but they had a single actor play the recurring character of the shapeshifter. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's great. He has a very distinct... Yeah, uh, voice a very distinct look. Yeah, he's he's. If I was, if you asked me to like of like all of the that bloke actors in Hollywood to pick one to be a Klingon, Brian Thompson is very high up my fucking That's list. His name. I knew, I knew it. Brian Thompson. Yeah, yeah. I, I had to. I I did literally have to be like, oh fuck, 
shapeshifter X-Files. Like, I know him, I know the characters, but I, I didn't know his name. He's one of those guys who's just famous enough, I think, that if I did see him out and about, I could like walk up to him and be like... And if I said, you're Brian Thompson, I'd probably be able to get like five, ten minutes of chat out of him. Yeah. Because he's so used to people being like, you're that bloke. Yeah, 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 <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So he... He's not keen on Riker at first. I'm not, I'm not really sure. He's like second in command or third in command. He's he's below first officer, I guess. Yeah, I don't know the exact. I, they just say second officer. I don't I don't know much about the hierarchy of Klingon ships. All I can imagine is they have a science station, and I guess that's the bottom guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go and go and scan it with honor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they do the um. They did a food thing as well, which is... So, apparently it's a tradition in Starfleet before you get transferred that you have, like, a feast before you go. I don't know where that comes from, but, like, Riker decides to have a Klingon feast and eat loads of stuff. And we get the uh, the introduction for the first time in TNG of Gak, which is, like, live serpent worms, uh, which are... They're kind of thrown as the, oh, isn't... For, it's like that, oh, isn't foreign food disgusting? Like, people in, like, the 1950s thought about sushi. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also a running joke that loads of people like in the start in Starfleet love it. Like Kirk likes it. Picard mentions that he's got a taste for it later on. Yeah. Judzia Dax uh, likes it in um, in Deep Space Nine. There's a great bit in Deep Space Nine where Bashir accidentally gets brought it instead of a muffin he's ordered <laughs> for breakfast, and he turns up his nose with disgust. And the reason is he's not eating gak before eleven. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we do get a, a wonderful bit of foreshadowing in the episode though, which is the some other crew members show up like Pulaski uh, and Picard, and and they sort of they, they give Riker a bit of a stink eye, like, are you seriously? Is, is this really what you're doing? You're having a Klingon feast, and Riker's fucking munching down, man. He's he's perfectly happy. Yeah. He, and he he's even like, try this. It's great. It's yeah, and and he's totally open to it. They, I really enjoy. Yeah, I like because it's the thing of like, it's that thing like I say it's nineteen fifties. If you're nineteen fifties and British and somebody offered you sushi, yeah. you'd be like, oh, raw fish. But like, like, but that's like most stuff from all over. People in different places eat different things. Yeah, and they probably don't eat it because it tastes awful. Uh, <laughs> so he's over there. He's he's on the Klingon ship and he's learning the the Klingon ways of honor, which is obviously. If you disagree with what your officer has done, you kill him. Uh, I think at that point he, the, the um, Brian Thompson, which I think is his Klingon name as well, it just has an apostrophe <laughs> between the I and the A. Um, yeah. He kind of gives him a bit of, of a growl, and then Riker gives him the old two-hander. Yeah. Throws him over, and that's that's it. They're they're, they're not yeah. quite best mates yet, but he then takes Riker to. The Klingon mess hall, where they're all just eating gag, and they all have a, a wonderful time. <laughs> it's, it's a great, it's a, a great, great little scene. Yeah, where like the the uh, they they they're giving him the food, thinking he won't eat it, and he's he's eating it, going along with it, and then like the whim, the two Klingon women are like, "Oh, we will break like I I, I don't find him attractive, but I will have like break him." Yeah, and then like Brian Thompson's like, "Oh, can you take the uh, can you take them?" And Riker's response is. What both? <laughs> like, I, I cannot stress the level to which Riker was the right guy for this job. Yeah, like it's it's so, he's he's so enjoying himself. One thing I do love though is them talking to uh, they're talking they're, they don't know much about humans, so they're like, "Are you an average human?" And Riker's like, "Yes," and it's like, "Yeah." Okay. It says says handsome. Effortlessly the charming Goliath Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> <laughs> can grow a beard like no one's business. I can't sit in a chair properly. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. I, I'm not. I've not got a problem with them judging us as a species by that man, but he's not average by any no. any measure. I, I, before, I want to say just before he, when he beams over, I love the little chat between him and O'Brien. When O'Brien's like the last one who like it's been like hinted at and like jokes about, and there's been like a little bit of like little bit of like um, like witty like jibes and stuff and it gets around to O'Brien and O'Brien's going are you really doing this and, and like Riker's like why not and, and Brian just goes I wouldn't do it and then beams him off <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what, what we what we maybe didn't make clear there if you haven't seen the episode is that when he makes the joke about taking them both the, everyone laughs like that it really oh, breaks yeah. the ice and they all start having a great time 
and then the Klingons are like, we didn't realise that humans have a sense of humour, to which Riker can respond to that. Had O'Brien gone, <laughs> I think it would have been largely the same, except he would have been much more sarcastic about it. And I don't know if the Klingons would have gotten that. I think that if O'Brien had gone over, I think that the Klingons, Klingon society as a whole, would find an incredible amount of honour in the concept of a trade union. Which I could yeah. definitely see O'Brien just starting. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was a union man. Um, so while this is all happening, on that, right? So we'll stick on this because it's the same scene. We then have a discussion between Riker and and Brian Thompson, the Klingon, about family and and how the kind of familial unit works. Because I guess he could have asked. Uh, Worf, but Worf was raised by, as far as I know, just a wasp couple from the, like from the uh, tip of Portsmouth or something. So yeah, it's like a farming couple on yeah. some sort of backwater thing. But uh, that I was gonna say, this is as well something like, I fucking love about this episode is up until now, like Worf has kind of been our like example of what Klingons are. Yeah. And then when you get to meet Klingons, it's like, oh no no, the average Klingon is like Worf is super uptight. Yeah. Like Worf's complete <laughs> lack of a sense of humour isn't a Klingon trait. That's specifically a Worf thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and your man, he he says like, oh I, we the, the Klingons we like to die in battle. That's how we want to go. My father got a disease. And oh no, he was. Ca- he was captured by the Romulans, yeah. like in battle, and they and they wouldn't let him. They didn't let him die. Yeah. They caught, captured him, and then when he, he's now old and he lives at home and he's a far like this is what I, I I'm fascinated by like the idea of like the agricultural system in Klingon society because you need food, but is there like honor in like do you come in each day and beat the shit out of the earth? <laughs> <laughs> well, they wouldn't call it the earth, the Kronos. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the dark. <laughs> Fucked it right up, mate. <laughs> Klingon opticians. I fucking one or two'd the fuck out of that guy. He was he was so scared that he was going to give me the wrong answer that he actually just plucked both of his eyes out. <laughs> the thing is, as much as that is like like laughable with like oh they just plucked someone's eyes out. There is a there is a story of a, a professional wrestler called Haku who apparent who is. Is widely considered in professional wrestling. Haku, and let me just sum this up. He's one of only two people that Andre the Giant was scared of. <laughs> and there's a story. There's a story about somebody in the streets giving Haku shit, so he just ripped one of their eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what. And like, if you're a warrior person, yeah, it's apparently like a normal thing. Yeah. But what I was gonna say, what I love about this is it sets something up as well as giving us like an insight into Klingon culture, because it sets up the idea that like an older Klingon is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Because, so the captain of the the, uh, the ship seems to be a little bit too keen on starting a fight because he's about the tipping point where he's either going to die in battle or be retired to be like a farmer or some shit. I actually didn't think about this because I, the whole way through, especially after that scene, I was thinking, right, I hope Star Trek does the clever thing here. I hope it doesn't just turn out that this is all a ruse by the Klingons, because that'd be really boring. I I hope that the Klingons are genuine. And that is that is the case, but that captain is fucking unhinged. Yeah. And that and that makes sense that you would think that. I didn't put those two things together. Yeah, it's uh, to, to be so the plot of the episode is is weirdly um it's it's kind of wonderful because it's a series of escalating threats from both sides. Aye. The Enterprise and the Klingon ship that are basically based on a series of understand- misunderstandings that make total sense. Because what there is is there's like a bacteria on the Klingon vessel that's eating through the hull, and it's doing it. The compounds it's eating, there's more of them in the Klingon vessel than the Enterprise, but some of it ends up on the Enterprise. Now, the Enterprise should be aware of this, but Mendon, the Benzite, is in charge of like the person who's in charge of the scan. And in Benzite ships, because the scans come back as inconclusive, the Benzites wouldn't present that to their captain yeah. until they'd like had a complete analysis. So he doesn't present that. 
So on board the Klingon ship, when they find the bacteria that's eating a hole in the side, they're like, well, we also know that your ship, the Enterprise, focused a scan directly at this area. And if it was a legitimate scan under your own protocol and you found something, you would have told us about it, wouldn't you? And Riker's like, actually, yes, that is what we would have done. Yeah. So this is somewhat suspicious. Yeah, it's good that he figures that out. Yeah, he's, he's sort of like, I can't, I can't explain this. I, I don't know why they've done that. I... Yeah, and then, yeah, it's it's such a it's such a because then the the Enterprise realizes what it is and is trying to fix it, and they're like, oh fuck, we've got to go tell the Klingons. And then the Klingons are like, well, they're now heading directly for our position after having weakened us with an attack. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, yeah, again, I understand how you could have reached that conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I? Do you know what I really liked in this one? The we actually, and this is going to sound really boring, but we actually saw some working user interface on the computers. Yeah, like we saw what the buttons did, which was quite fun. We had that actually last week with Pulaski. They had a video on the screen, um, and it wasn't just the like a previous episode. It was something <laughs> that was happening right now, which I didn't even know they could do. So we get to see Mendon pressing buttons and. I don't yeah. really have anything to say, mate. I don't have any bits. I just enjoy no, that, that happened. No, I, I enjoy that as well. Yeah. I, 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 Mendon's an interesting character because he's he's walking around and he's trying to impress everyone by like improving bits and pieces about the ship, but he doesn't understand like command structure. So he goes straight to. I, there is a bit of weirdness about this, which he goes straight to Picard and like Picard's like, well, no, there's a chain of command to talk to Worf. Why would they go to Worf? But but also like, surely he would go to Data. But, but also, like, why is this guy... Like, if I'm Captain Picard and I've had... There's only one Benzite in Starfleet. So it's probably... He's not met that many Benzites and he's going to have one on board his ship. And he's gone down and welcomed him at, like, the transporter bay himself. I'd have, like, a little chit-chat. I also was going to say so. There's When he beams over, there's four people who beam over. One's him and three other people who we just told are, like, replacements. Yeah. For other people. I, I, I want to bring this up given like the the red shirt myth around star trek we are still at an incredibly low number of crew deaths like to the point where those three people turning up i was like i can't think who they're replacing they must be people who've like retired and they're all science (laughs) and medical yeah so unless it's just that pulaski wants to fucking whitewash our crew or something I imagine that is it. Pulaski's yeah. fired the four. The weird is he's fired the four Asian doctors that were working down there. <laughs> They're out. Off you fuck. <laughs> See you later, Vulcan. Yeah, green blooded. And freak. then and then they're like, look, we could give you three humans and a benzite. And she's like, well, I've seen a benzite, and they seem to be coded pretty Asian. But uh, <laughs> all right, fine, whatever. Do they do the voice? And she's like, look, this isn't Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> He, uh, he gives Smiley Joe some grief. And I wrote yeah, down, does. how dare you speak to Lieutenant Smiley Joe like that. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Mendon. But like, but like, I'd say Mendon comes good in the end because he works out what the life form is and like how to deal with it. But like, he causes a cascade of failures yeah. by not having like brushed up on basic workings of the ship he's going to be on. And that in itself, from a narrative standpoint, is very interesting and useful because it the command structure of, of Starfleet is something that the characters already know. Yes, yes. So we as an audience can only assume certain things, but, like, I I can't remember if we had it earlier. I remember we talked about it earlier, about how... I Look, I'm, 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 not, a, I'm not a submarine scientist, right? I don't, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't know these things. But if it works the way that I assume that it does... Uh, Picard is captain of the ship and Riker is commander of the crew. So Riker is kind of the head crew guy. He's like the chief of staff. So no one talks to Picard, but they talk to him. Now, I would have assumed that that then structure stays stays consistent. So the next guy down wouldn't be Worf, it would be Data. But then Data would have I mean, again, narratively, Data would have been a terrible person to tell that to because he would have just gone (laughs) and figured that out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, so I think, like, I, my theory is that it's once you get down below Riker, it splits. Right. Because Mendon is doing scans and stuff, which isn't, whilst it's a science function, I think it more falls under, like, ops. 
Like he's not doing scan. He's not like, and I think Data is like in charge of like the stuff that's like pure science. Yeah. So like it's like oh, when we arrive at a new like gas giant and send out a probe or something like that, that's Data's thing. But like Wolf's like, you're a science guy, and science guys run our scanners. But this is scanning as part of day-to-day operations, so that reports into me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh, it might just be you're sitting nearest to the bridge, <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 and data was in the chair at that point. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so like, what happens is the like uh, uh, they uh, the Klingon warbird comes in. The they re- the the Enterprise realizes, realizes it's cloaked for some reason, so they go to red alert, which they pick up on. So they get ready to fire on it, and then Riker manages to completely fuck over the captain of the Klingon warbird but by doing things that make perfect sense because he's like oh well we don't attack until we're within 40,000 miles or whatever because then it will give us the best chance of like attacking and hitting them and then the flip side of that is that on the other side they're like uh, and he's got a little transponder thing that uh, Worf gave him so he just pulls it out turns it on the captain takes it off of him and then they're like, oh, okay, we can beam the guy off when he's within that thing. And you realise that he's talked them in. And they just beam the captain over and then shoot him. And then Riker gets to do, I'm the captain now. Yeah, he literally <laughs> says it, yeah. <laughs> and it's impressive that he figures out how to do all of that immediately after he's been absolutely hate-fucked by two Klingon women. <laughs> Which is uh, like the, the classic. And, then, and not only that, he's done that. But he's also been recording it and taking notes because he knows that's what Picard's going to be interested in when he gets back. <laughs> well, thank you very much, number one. I'll enjoy that with my personal relaxation life. <laughs> in my single bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then what I do love is how the episode kind of ends, which is that Riker is the captain of the Klingon vessel. Picard's the captain of the thing. And Riker, like, to satisfy the honour of the Klingon crew, like basically asks for the like says that the Enterprise needs to surrender yeah and then Picard's just like you're right. yeah obviously yeah because <laughs> it's that thing you can't it's one he knows Riker's not going to blow him out of the sky but equally none of the Klingons would blow up a ship of somebody that just surrendered because that's not that's cowardly cowardice do you think that Riker in that moment had to go into his mind palace and try to remember do Klingons understand the concept of the wink? Because <laughs> if he'd been like, you have to surrender, wink, would the Klingons like have like enough knowledge of human interaction to understand what that went? And then he's like, will Picard understand without the wink? These are the, <laughs> these are the fucking trials and tribulations of being the captain of a Klingon. Is that a warbird? Is that a bird of prey? One, one's Romulan and one's Klingon, right? Klingon bird of prey, Romulan warbird. Right, I think. But what? what here, well, here's a big question about that because so you imagine you're in that situation, and let's say it's an alien race you've not met before, like right. all of them at present. <laughs> right? You've got two options, which is uh, one, they in their own culture have an equivalent of the wink, and they'll see through it. Yeah. Two, no idea what a wink is, and you're safe to go there. Yeah. But there's the third option, which is in their language. The wink is the most horrifying insult you could possibly imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, did he just? Did he just? He said he's raped your sister. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just reminded me of something there as well. The the trailer came out for the new game from Squanch Games, which is the, the Justin Roiland, the Rick and Morty creator. Oh. And and it's about um, it's it's like you play like a, a a bounty hunter, or you play like some I guess some kid that gets transported into space and is some bounty hunter. But um, with the with his sister, and there's a bit of the trailer where the sister says, "Oh, what? He's going to leave me here alone in space?" To which one of the alien characters go, "Well, technically, everyone is in space all the time." <laughs> <laughs> there's an old um, there's an old Terry Pratchett joke about um, uh, what um, uh, how weird it is on planet Earth that we. Do you remember that giant comment? The comment that slapped into Jupiter. Uh, yeah. like about 15 years ago he goes, it goes it says especially you have to be a special kind of stupid as a species to watch something like that happen and then not take any defensive measures for yourself because things like that only happen in space <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, yeah so some fucking some great captain I mean MVP 
MVP's Riker. William Riker. William I'm going to put forward for promotion Brian Thompson, the Klingon. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, I yeah, hope we get to see him again. I hope he's taken over that captain's chair. Because yeah, he's got to be yeah. cheap, right? Brian, I know we're friends, but he can't be that expensive. <laughs> well, I, I like the fact as well, we didn't discuss, like, when um, the captain gets beamed over, he, Riker lets him, like, punch him. Yeah. And when they beams back to the ship, he's like, he goes, oh, I learned some lessons. And uh, Picard goes, like, when to duck? And Riker's like, well, when not to? And he's like, no, I let him punch me because he needed to punch me to restore his honour and get back into being the rank of captain. And I'm like, yeah, but equally, uh, Riker, you could have just murdered him and let your much cooler fucking Klingon mate take over the ship when you left. Yeah. And and no one in Klingon society would have had a single damn problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I like. I gotta say, um, what, so I've always liked about the the Klingons is TNG is like in original. So in original Star Trek, the, the Klingons are the Russians. That's yep. what they're there for. They're there to do Cold War stories with. So they're kind of a bit sneaky and a bit devious. And the Romulans are the ones who are a bit more honourable. Mm-hmm. And then then when you get into the movies, it's more fun if the Klingons love war because that way you can have the motivation of the when you get to the undiscovered country and it's like well we've got to try and have peace and I love that peace for the Klingons was they just went back to fighting amongst themselves (laughs) and it's just like we're not going to fight the Federation it's like why because their heart's not in it and it's no fun it's more or less what happened it's like oh you sit they'll give you a speech about humanity and the nature of striving to reach the stars god have you met this fucking have you met this fucking guy Picard (laughs) <laughs> oh my god! Honestly, it's like every, once every forty-five minutes this cunt was hitting me with a speech, and <laughs> I went. I was eating some gack, and then he was like, "That's alive. Who are you to be eating that?" And then I threw it in his face, and then that was an insult. Jesus! It's like I mean, it's not like I winked at him. <laughs> I. One thing I love, truly love with the Klingons later on is that, um, in, so in Deep Space Nine, there's a, a thing that happens called the Dominion War. And the um, there's a, 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 a fighting force for the side on the other side of the Dominion called the Jem Hadar, who are genetically modified super soldiers who are addicted to a drug that can only be provided by the people who run their society. So they have to fight or they'll die. And when they arrive, the Klingons are fucking delighted (laughs) (laughs) they they are so happy and the Jem'Hadar equally are like oh we've heard about you Klingons you're this is fun yeah you're an actual challenge this is this is fantastic like there's a whole episode where like Worf gets captured by them and like every day they have like a fist fight in a fucking like arena and it gets like day eight straight where Worf is beating the living shit and he's just getting progressively more battered yeah because <laughs> they were sitting obviously in the writers room for TNG and said so the Klingons we can't really have them be the Russians anymore who do we want them to be glass regions <laughs> space glass regions yeah the, the, the interesting thing about TNG is it comes from a very weird point in like human history where America didn't have a clear enemy yeah because a lot of sci-fi from before like TNG era is like, oh, the Russians. Everything's like an allegory for the Russians and the Cold War. But the Cold War ended in like, well, the, the Berlin Wall was down in '91, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yes, yeah. So it was all pretty much over the moment this had started. And 9/11 didn't happen until 2001. So there was this got a nice, got a nice little decade. <laughs> yeah, if you think, wonder why people are so nostalgic for the '90s, here's why: there were, the Cold War was over. The war on terrorism hadn't started, and because we didn't have the internet, as far as the average white person was aware, everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and also TV was very watchable most hours of the day. Yeah, we, and and you didn't have decision paralysis because there were only four fucking channels. <laughs> yeah, and then we got <laughs> Friends, the sitcom Friends, and. People were like, "Oh, isn't this just the best thing that's ever been done? Isn't 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 this just a phenomenon that truly deserves to stand on the pantheon of great great sitcoms?" And then that's when George Bush was like, "Let's do a fucking nine eleven, mate. We need to <laughs> we need to bring these assholes down a peg." <laughs> 
but from George Bush being at his level of intelligence did attack New York where he thought the uh, show was being filmed rather than LA where it actually was yeah he was uh, he, he <laughs> all he'd ever seen was that establishing shot of the apartment building <laughs> that's it and that's what he did that was that was his order he wrote aim for this and then he uh, he downloaded a like a PNG of that um, and uh, tried to export it into Microsoft Word so that it could uh, print out so that he could put it but the thing is, because in Microsoft Word, picture forming it isn't very good. It was, to be fair, a picture of that 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 fire escape and and that apartment building. But the the Y scale had been stretched out uh, so far that it, the general was Dick Cheney was like, "Well, this is the tallest building in New York." To which, to which he said this to George Bush, and George Bush then obviously went, uh, "Yeah, sure, yeah." <laughs> The problem is that he'd also written some instructions, but he put that in windings, so yeah. it looked like two towers. At a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also he 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 tried to rectify his mistake by printing out a second copy of that picture, <laughs> and said, "If that one doesn't work, use this." <laughs> um, I've just put something in my notes that I've got to bring up. Yep, it's completely. Um, one of the roles Brian Thompson had that we completely forgot, and it needs to be mentioned because it's from something that has a very special place in my heart. He's Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yes, he is. Yeah. Which is the if you like Mortal Kombat the movie for like the reasons that it's a genuinely good film, but you also love Street Fighter the movie because it's a genuinely terrible film, then Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the movie for you. <laughs> um, I, I was gonna say I do um, one thing I did love in this is um, I actually because I was like interested in Gap I was like okay because I know it's from like the original series yeah so I looked into it there are four different versions of Gap there's one that has feet chicken and mushroom <laughs> Bombay bad boy <laughs> barbecue and chow mein uh, do you do you want to know what uh, what Klingon they, Klingons have coffee yeah. It's called it, the the Klingon coffee is Raktagino. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. But you have to. But you have to pronounce it like S. If you pronounce it X, you're out. <laughs> Fucking espresso, get out. Uh, I do wonder at that point, like, because it can't be the same. Like they must have got it from us. So yeah. did they? Like, was it like the first human ship they ever like took? They killed a guy and he's got a coffee on the side. They took it and drank it. So it was like. Oh, holy fuck. No, I, I think what happened That's... was uh, the first Klingon that, that we ever met was like, somebody was like, oh, this, this guy's pretty grumpy. He hasn't had his morning coffee yet. And then presented him with like a double <laughs> shot of Americano. And the Klingon momentarily like drank it and then just a wave of calm kind of came over him. And then he threw it back in that guy's face. <laughs> and they were like, this is great. This is... You get high... And it's a projectile. This give us more of this. <laughs> you just reminded me of my all-time favourite Dungeons and Dragons weapon, which is there's a, a, a there are this is in this is in the uh, the normal uh, guide for the the in the um, the game uh, uh, the player's guide. Uh, there is a there is a dwarven war tankard, yeah. and it's basically a like the head of a warhammer but hollow, so you can fill it with beer and it's got a handle. <laughs> <laughs> and you just drink and smack people with it. Uh, and I, we've never seen a Klingon with one of those, and we fucking should. I was going to say, uh, one thing about this is, like, when um, Riker beams back over, Picard's all like, oh, I think this is the shortest assignment in Federation history, because he was gone for, like, a day, which and, and I had sex with two aliens, which yep. is a slow day for Riker. Um, <laughs> but he's gone, and they go, oh, this might be the shortest thing in, like, Federation history. Go, Other than I imagine... Mendon's assignment to your ship because because <laughs> we never see the fucker again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> he takes because it takes too long. You can't pay an extra like a featured actor that long when he's going to be in a makeup chair for two hours. Do you think uh, there's a post credit scene where the Klingons, where Brian Thompson, the Klingon, messages over to Riker and says, "We're actually a man down, mate. So if you've got anybody <laughs> spare, a Picard, just a wink, just a twinkle in his eye, and a sly smile up one side of his face." And um, then they beams in, and it's um, it's Harry Styles, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a CGI Patton Oswald. <laughs> I really like this episode. Uh, I I did as well. It's not um, like I I I. I so it, I, I, 
Have you watched um, any of the Red Letter Media videos where they talk about their like favorite types of stuff? Yeah, Trek? yeah, yeah. Favorite episodes. One of the ones Rich Evans says is like, I like uh, like a uh, one that isn't like an overly big idea. It's just a fun adventure with some Star Trek ideas. And that's what this is. It's a fun yeah. little adventure episode, but also a bit of a chance to go, oh, let's do some more exploration of the Klingons. Yeah, see what they're about. So, so yeah. yeah, we've got a bit more of an understanding of them. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're one of the classics. They're up there with the Vulcans and the Romulans, I'd say. Is that, that's the big, including humans, that's the big four yep. of your, your Star Trek races. So, yeah. Great episode. Watch really it. Really liked it. If you haven't already. Yeah. And next week. Oh, no, next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> next week is an episode I believe we've mentioned. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> called Measure of a Man. Which, oh, uh, classic. Isn't just a good episode of Star Trek. It's like it's in the same canon as like the works of Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac A. Asimov as just being some of the greatest science fiction ever created. Yeah, agreed. Courtroom dramas in Star. Okay, hear me out on this. Paramount are addicted to doing like they they've decided Star Trek is going to be like their Marvel. They want to have like loads of stuff. That's why you got um, like four series on the go at the moment, including Strange New Worlds, which is might be the best Star Trek ever created it's it's six episodes in and it's been fucking amazing so far but wouldn't it be great if one was just an entire like law and order <laughs> like just entirely courtroom dramas where it's like oh this man fucking sold my targ without my permission I don't know <laughs> uh... <laughs> in the we're deciding whether or this fucking hologram of Moriarty has the right to the right to be let out into the wild. Some guy selling uh, counterfeit visors <laughs> that, that don't let you see stunt doubles. <laughs> You're actually just looking at the real person. It, it really it fucks you up. Yeah, because you don't know when they're going to swing a punch. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. Straight to the face. And and really, that's the main thing that the blind have to deal with in the future is getting punched in the face. Yeah. Um, we have equality, and they've been asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> Once they got those visors, all that they got swinging up, all that swinging that fucking <laughs> stick about, like you own the place. Come on, mate. You can Look, take mate, it like the rest it. of us. Yeah. I, if I if I try to take my dog into a fucking bar, I get in trouble. <laughs> uh. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this one. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at EdEdwardsComedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.